Hey, Nelson, alcoholic addict. That's not my real name. That is a pen name that I came up with to use here at LOL Sober, my sober newsletter. I was at a meeting recently where we read two employers from the big book, and the biggest thing that hit me was a reminder how hard it must have been to try to get sober and keep your job in 1940 or 1950, 60, 1970, basically for most of the time that 12-step recovery has existed. Uh, just very difficult to work and to also be trying to get sober. Man, what a, what a difficult combination. That part of the book is really good, really helpful. And I bet as I read it, I thought, I bet this played a part in the evolution of the way workplaces treat alcoholics and addicts, you know, like um, 12-step recovery had a big jump in the early 1940s in awareness, and I bet people picked it up and read that section and decided to implement it. It's written really well. It's, it's written well ahead of its time when it describes the alcoholic and how to interact with an alcoholic. A lot of it applies directly to right now. Uh, but it was written 80 years ago. And um, so the world, even even a well-written, forward-thinking passage from 1940, I mean, it's just that the world was a different place, obviously. I've been sober since 2008, and even in that span of 14 and a half years or so, I've seen huge changes, huge changes. So it made me realize that something, it was kind of an epiphany. Like, it made me realize I don't think there's ever been a better time to get sober than 2023. And I would have said that in 2022. I would have said that in 2021. Um, so it just, I, it just seems like we're making, we've made a lot of progress. And um, so here I came up with six reasons why. And uh, so I'll rattle them off. Uh, reason number one, employment, just to go back to that section that I read the other night to employers. After we read that passage the other night, people shared a lot of interesting stuff about some of the laws that have been passed um, that give legal protection to employees. And some of the people who shared have been sober for a couple decades, so they've seen it too. And so it became obvious that it's, you know, the legal thing, it's come a, come a long way since 1940, but I'd say legal protection has increased pretty dramatically just since I've been sober in 2008. I've seen it. Um, and setting aside actual laws that are passed, I also think that most companies have just become a little bit more human about addiction. Um, I, do hear, I do hear bad stories from time to time about certain employers that tell an employee, you know, Go to a rehab this weekend. I'll see you on Monday. Get get your head back. Get back to work. Um, but not many. I think it's gotten a lot better. All right, that was reason number one. Um, number two, societal understanding. I feel especially strong about this one. I think the concept of mental health um, and the importance of mental health, it's more embraced than ever, even from just a few years ago, maybe even a year ago, three years ago, five years ago. I think we've come a long way, and that means – Empathy for addiction, I think, has increased also, at least in my my worldview. Um, when I came into the rooms in 2008, awareness about the opioid crisis was just starting to pop up. Um, as I've written before, uh, <laughs> I was an active participant in the opioid crisis when it was a crisis that people weren't quite aware of. Um, I was an active participant at its peak 
um, in the early to mid 2000s. So, uh, you know, I deserve at least a little bit of the blame. I was a participant for sure. And I can say that from about 2005 to 2015 or so, I felt a specific spike in people learning about the the dangers of pills. Um, and I think, this is just my opinion here. These are all just my opinions. What the hell do I know, actually? But because pills popped up around, it seemed like around every corner, you know, these, these things were available to us and people were struggling with them. I think it helped society understand alcoholism too and how rampant it was and how much treatment is required. I think it like sort of raised the, the awareness of, of all addiction because of the opioids. And sadly, I felt like in my own life, I noticed more and more people who had someone in their lives who had developed an opioid problem. And, and for whatever reason with opioids, the idea that, that this is a disease that digs deep into people and requires treatment because of opioids, it seemed to have sunk in a little better than alcohol might have. So, um, I watched as some of the hardline people that say like, ah, come on, you just need to stop, put the bottle down, get your crap together, stop drinking. I noticed some of those people saw through the opioid crisis, the reality of addiction, and they gained a better understanding that addiction, any kind of addiction, whether it's gambling, drugs, alcohol, something else, I think there was a better understanding that it isn't as simple as, you know, somebody has bad willpower or a lack of morals, that there was a lot more going on there. I feel like that changed. Uh, number three on my list uh, is the cell phone. Oh my God. What would we do without cell phones? I can't even imagine. You could argue that with cell phones, I guess you could argue that with cell phones, buying and using drugs and getting alcohol delivered to your house, it's never, it's never been easier. And I guess that, that you could throw in that, that a lot of places have legalized marijuana and gambling and, so it's, it's never been easier to ruin your life either with just a couple of scrolls on your cell phone. But, but I would also argue um, as a sober person that I could not imagine getting sober in 1940 or 1945 or 1955. And I can't imagine doing it back then and having anything close to the network that I have now. Um, you know, think about like you can only call someone if they're at their house and near their rotary phone and I'm at my house near a rotary phone and <laughs> neither one of us is outside churning butter or cleaning the horse pen <laughs> or playing bluegrass music or whatever people did back then. Sorry, that's a little ageist. Don't mean to goof on my, uh, my ancestors, but um, you get the, you get the point. 1948 getting sober, trying to get a hold of somebody. What? can't even imagine. I guess things, things probably got a little better a couple decades later when like in addition to the phone, we, we had the answering machine was a new invention. Um, but boy, how often do I take for granted the idea that I, I could call 25 people today, like right now I could leave. If I don't talk to them, I could leave them a voicemail. They'd have immediate access to them. I can text them from wherever on earth that I am. Um, in that 
context, I think the concept of sober connection is, it's maybe the biggest improvement in sobriety, you know, just, and that's just happened really in the last 15 or so years. I guess people had cell phones in 1995, but uh, they were the same size as a small shed and not everybody had them. So it just, that's a recent development. And I guess, you know, to, <laughs> to, to sum it up on the cell phone, it makes it even sillier than how with me, sometimes my phone weighs 400 pounds and I could not possibly pick it up out of my back pocket and use it. And that's just so silly now that I think about it. All right. The fourth thing that uh, I compiled here is uh, the internet, the interwebs, as the kids say. Um, I wrote last month about how much I've come around on Zoom meetings. Early on in the pandemic, I whined and complained because, you know, I said that they Zoom meetings aren't the same as in-person meetings. And Listen, they're not, not for me. Um, they are for other people though. Um, I think my exchange rate right now is something like uh, 1.5 Zoom meetings equals one in-person meeting. So, you know, if I get to two in-person meetings, it's about the same as three Zoom meetings, something like that. So I'm someone, I think that I need about, like to live my best life, I need about four in-person meetings a week which would be six Zoom meetings in my exchange rate. Um, so I usually end up, most weeks the past couple year or two, I go to five meetings a week. I'd say two or three in person, two or three on Zoom, adds up to five, works out well. But man, no matter how, even if you don't like Zoom meetings, holy shit, isn't it nice that they exist? Like you can find one at any time, anytime, night or day, and you can log on from your couch in 10 seconds. You can... Turn your camera off and sit there in your underwear if you want. I, I mean, I will say I tried that at an in-person meeting recently, and I was uh, immediately asked to leave. That's a joke. I did not show up in underwear at a meeting. Uh, <laughs> please, don't, please don't think that lowly of me. Uh, and beyond, you know, to talk more about the Internet, not just Zoom meetings, you know, you can you could freaking email the big book to someone in five seconds. You can... Text the 12 and 12. You can uh, sign up for daily emails with the um, sober readings. I mean, you can have sober literature at your fingertips immediately. If you're looking for a specific topic, such as how to work through a resentment, you can, <laughs> you can search within sober literature on your computer and find some suggestions. And in 1950, you would have to have the actual book and then read it. And my God, who wants to do that? Come on. <laughs> And then last but not least on the on the internet thing, it's just like anywhere you go, you know, if you have Google Maps, you can find a meeting. Type in, I'm in such and such place. Are there any meetings? There will be. And you can go to them. What the hell? You did not have that in 1962. The fifth thing on my list, help is all around. I had some nervousness putting this on my list because in my experience, Bad help is more available than ever, too. Um, but the the reason I put it on here is there are more treatment facilities and more treatment specialists than ever. And I believe anecdotally is just me saying this, but because there's more treatment places and people, I do think that means there's more probably more good places to go and more good people to see than ever before. I also happen to know several recovering people who put together a bunch of sobriety themselves and then they got into the treatment field 
themselves. And that's also a combination that, like, at least in the early years, like Bill Wilson and the other sober people in 1940, 1945, 1950, 1960, it was not possible to have a person with 25 years sober who was working at a treatment facility. Um, so that's a more re recent development. My guess is that's something that's mostly come up um, in the last 30 years or so, maybe the last 50 years, something like that. Um, and I'll just say in my rehab, there was like five counselors that I dealt with and I connected the most with a counselor who she she had like 15 years of sobriety herself. Uh, she was speaking my language. She knew me even though she didn't know me. And I thought it helped to have a fellow addict talking to me. So I love that. Uh, sixth on my list, aid for loved ones. Uh, along the same lines, I think there's a better understanding than ever that addiction can be a family disease. There are, so I think there's probably more Al-Anon meetings than ever. There's probably more programs like Al-Anon that exist than ever before. Um, that's by that. I mean, you know, places you can go if you love someone that has an addiction issue. Um, and I think there's, I think there's probably a better understanding today than years ago from, all mental health professionals, that's psychiatrists, psychologists, marriage therapists, and on and on and on. I think there's a better understanding today about the impact and treatment possibilities when addiction is in the picture. I, you know, I can't proclaim to have been married and seeing a marriage therapist with my wife in 1980 or 1990, uh, or certainly 1950. But my guess is that it would have been a different kind of conversation back then um, if I came in and I had addiction issues and my wife was trying to still love me and work through everything. I just think at a therapist in 1974 or 1981 or even 2001, I think it would have just been like a little bit less understanding. Okay, so I, that was my list of six ways. There's probably 20 other ones I've just didn't think of. But now, now that I put the list together, I need to take a moment here. And I'm going to sound like I'm <laughs> like a, a salesperson for some pyramid scheme. Because I, I, I feel quite grateful. Uh, it really hit me hard. Um, it really hit me hard the gift that today might be. Today might be the greatest day in human history to get sober. There's a case to be made that March 9th, 2023, is a better day to find recovery than March 9th of 1940 or March 9th of 1950 and on and on and on. And I even think there's a case to be made that March 9th, 2023 is a better time to get sober than, than March 9th of 2010 or March 9th of 2020 or even you could say March 9th is of, of this year is an even better day to get sober than March 5th of this year, you know, boy, what an epiphany, what a time to be alive, what a time to be trying to get sober or stay sober. I think, I think, of course, I wrote this entire thing myself with no editing or consultation with anybody. So I might just be completely full of shit. But for now, I consider it an epiphany and I'm happy about it. So uh, thank you for letting me share.